uh, we've been talking a fair amount um, in the past number of weeks of uh, teachings and instructions, encouragement related to, to right effort, looking at uh, wholesome mind states versus unwholesome mind states and how to encourage the, the skillful ones, the wholesome ones, the kusala mind states, and how to let go and abandon uh, the unwholesome ones, turn away from them. <clears throat> and I thought I'd just continue uh, just a few thoughts uh, along those lines. Because uh, I've been, every now and then I pick up a, a theme or a book for my own contemplation and uh, the, the theme of uh, the paramis uh, has been uh, part of my uh, investigations, uh, internal reflections uh, and some reading uh, recently. And uh, how important they are. The, you know, the Buddha has lots of lists of uh, different kinds of teachings, uh, and uh, there's a number of different kinds of categories of wholesome mind states that we want to develop and unwholesome mind states that we want to abandon, <clears throat> and this is one of them. And it often is in reference, can be in reference to the, uh, the unwholesome uh, category of, of uh, mind states, uh, that's referred to as the, the ogas or the floods, uh, which are the same actually as the asavas, except uh, as I think uh, maybe Ajinamra or Lumpur Pasano, I'm not sure which uh, I've heard uh, say, maybe both, uh, that the, uh, the ogas, the floods, are sort of uh, the same as the asavas, but on steroids. <laughs> so that they... Uh, they're very strong manifestations of those outflows, the asapas, the outflows of um, uh, the outflow of uh, sensuality, uh, kamasava or kamoga, when it becomes the flood, um, of becoming bhava, of um, uh, later addition, the uh, kind of um, the ati. Uh, uh, the views and opinions, I'm sorry, diti, uh, views and opinions, and then uh, the outflow or ogha flood of uh, ignorance, avijja. So this is one category of these uh, unwholesome mind states, things that keep us caught in samsara and uh, swept away by the floods uh, of, of these mental tendencies. And that the parami uh, are ways to cross the floods. Parami, uh, usually translated as perfection, um, category of uh, characteristics that we were encouraged to, to develop um, in the, the lore, the Buddhist lore. These were the ten perfections that the Bodhisattva, the Buddha-to-be, had to develop significant skill, perfect those skills of these ten qualities uh, in order to serve the foundation for his uh, awakening, his self-enlightenment. They're not uh, a listing per se as, as such in the canon, but uh, all the qualities, of course, are mentioned in the canon in various places uh, and developed uh, 
uh, in the Jataka tales, uh, the Buddha's past lives, uh, where he develops these perfections, um, but more of a, a, a later addition uh, uh, that they were actually categorized into the the ten paramis, the ten perfections, paramita in, in Sanskrit. And the Theravada school has its own set, and, and some of the other Buddhist schools have a, a slightly different set of perfections. But anyway, they're very useful, and I find that just um, being able to um, review them uh, as a reflection uh, and kind of ask myself, where am I? Have I developed this particular quality to uh, any extent or to a mild extent or uh, how, how far and, and where have I, you know, where can I improve? Where can I put more attention uh, on these? Just going through them one by one and saying, okay, well, you know, how is this quality manifesting? Um, where do I need to put more attention in order to cross over those floods? The um, kind of the, the, the basic list for people who may not be so familiar with them uh, of the ten uh, are um, sila, uh, virtue, morality, uh, action, speech, how we're um, manifesting uh, some of these tendencies in the outside world. Are we able to keep our precepts, our basic five precepts of non-harming uh, uh, through action, body, speech, and mind. Uh, and kind of reviewing that, uh, maybe going through the precepts, kind of maybe gave some reflections on that a, a, a number of weeks ago, I think. So I won't go into details, but just to use that as a contemplative tool. Uh, ask yourself, you know, have I uh, been as uh, uh, diligent as I can be with uh, following the precepts? Or the um, parami of dana, generosity. Um, uh, have I realized uh, the benefits uh, fully that uh, uh, in my life of being as open-handed and as giving and as um, uh, you know ready to relinquish uh, as I can? Because uh, it's such a beautiful trait uh, and taken to. Uh, the highest limit is a very transformative state of mind, generosity, that we can develop through the act of giving in so many different ways. And the third, uh, the third parami uh, to reflect on uh, in our contemplations uh, would be nekama, um, renunciation, simplicity, uh, uh, how complicated is my life? We can reflect on that. Is it unnecessarily complicated? Can I simplify? Can I tone down um, material acquisitions? Uh, can I live a uh, more, less entangled uh, way of being in the world, whether it's how I engage with occupation and work or family, friends, uh, acquaintances, um, you know, how complicated is my life do, and does it need to be that way? Uh, can I set some of that down? Enjoy a bit more space and peace. Panya is the fourth one, 
discernment, wisdom, um, and, uh, you know, uh, where have I uh, been able to see some of uh, the wisdom qualities of the teachings to experience uh, discernment, uh, to be able to see more clearly uh, wholesome and unwholesome conditions uh, and how they arise and how they pass away. Uh, how I can uh, enforce the the wholesome and and let go of the unwholesome. This is wisdom in operation, uh, as well as seeing more of the uh, subtle qualities that the Buddha talks about investigating that lead to insight. So panya. Virya comes from that uh, energy to... Uh, inform our practice, uh, effort that results from having energy uh, to, um, to increase those wholesome uh, mind states. Kanti, uh, patience, uh, that very spacious, open, in what my mind, in my mind, uh, is the antidote actually to, to uh, aversion, maybe more so than metta, which is often presented as the antidote to aversion, uh, that this wide open um, capacity, uh, kanti, uh, as Ajahn Sumedho defines it, is uh, a peaceful, peaceful coexistence with the unpleasant, uh, just to be able to abide with things that aren't wonderful uh, peacefully. So kanti parami, uh, Satcha parami, the uh, truthfulness, uh, and uh, aditana parami, determination or resolution, resolve, um, not only in uh, picking up practices uh, to train our minds uh, and to train our hearts in uh, maybe under some more uh, austere circumstances or relinquishing uh, certain things uh, for periods of time as a determination, as an aditana, but also the long-term resolve uh, to just start to move our lives towards a commitment to dhamma full-on um, with that kind of lifelong Resolution for as long as, as Ajahn Chah's Aditana, for as long as I'm alive, for just this lifetime, I will devote myself completely to, to trying to realize Dhamma. Uh, many, many lifetimes that we have, we've had uh, many more to come if, if we don't complete our work this time. Um, so taking this very special opportunity to make this determination, make this resolve, to use this life in the best way possible with Dhamma at the center. Aditana parami, metta parami, uh, development of kindness, uh, wide open, wide open, uh, broad, uh, boundless kindness and well-wishing, well-regard for other beings. And last one of upeka parami, uh, the equanimity factor, equanimity perfection, uh, being able to stay even uh, with wholesome, unwholesome uh, mind states that arise out of conditioning and um, experiences in the world around us, unpleasant, pleasant experiences, 
to stay in the, the center and not be moved, uh, to be aware and not shut off, but not to be taken in by uh, pleasant, unpleasant um, aspects of our lives. So to, to take these uh, ten parami and just periodically uh, measure ourselves uh, where we are at, uh, not in a judgmental way, but in an encouraging way of, of uh, how can I use these as reflections to overcome the, the floods of sensuality and becoming and views and ignorance. Uh, 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 the famous uh, quote that we hear a lot from um, uh, Ajahn Sumedho's uh, message, uh, rare written message from Ajahn Chah, uh, once that uh, uh, begins with um, uh, his addressing Ajahn Sumedho and and says, whenever whenever like and dislike, I'm paraphrasing this, whenever like and dislike arise, uh, let this be. Let these be your um, uh, aids and partners in developing the parami. So Ajahn Chah referred directly to uh, these difficult floods, uh, filled with hatred and desire and like dislike, uh, as being the the impetus, uh, our aids and partners. There are, in a sense, there are friends that point us towards uh, the development of, of the parami. Uh, two of them kind of have stood out for me in the past bit of time as I've kind of been reviewing them and reading some teachings about them. Um, uh, of course, they're all uh, important reflections, but two that have caught my attention uh, in the past bit of time uh, are satcha, uh, truthfulness, and uh, uh, panya, wisdom, discernment. And uh, the satcha uh, parami of truthfulness can be really contemplated and experienced uh, and developed on on different levels. the most obvious one being the actual truthfulness of speech, how important that is uh, in our uh, in our practice. You know, to the point where the Buddha, you know, talks about um, that being central in his in his admonishment to to his son Rahula uh, that um, you know not to not to uh, ever ever. Uh, tell a lie, tell a conscious, deliberate lie, even for the sake of a joke, uh, that it's that important that not just even kidding around um, should you try and deceive somebody. Um, And how it's so easy to to fall into shades of uh, mild deceit, even with what could be called compassionate motivation uh, to reveal or to... to, uh, keep harsh news from somebody or something that might be difficult for them to understand, uh, much less uh, for self-gain. So uh, very, very important um, reflection that the Buddha says, you know, not even for the sake of a joke should we tell a deliberate conscious lie. Deception is just so, if 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 we can consciously and deliberately try and deceive somebody, um, particularly out of some wish for gain, then 
you know, I think it's been said that that pretty much means we can pretty much do anything that's harmful. Um, so that's a very, very important uh, aspect of uh, our practice. But on a, on a other level, on another level too, the uh, looking at the um, the need to support truthfulness in our whole perceptual realm and how we're um, often fooled uh, into uh, the whole realm of uh, believing uh, stories, uh, believing phenomena, believing perceptions that happen to us um, when they may be quite distorted. You know, most of our perceptions are based on uh, past conditioning. This is what the whole realm of perception is, is all about. Um, this process of trying to make sense out of uh, uh, data that's coming in through the senses, sense bases, categorizing them. And then we develop hard and fixed ideas of uh, the world around us and our experience. Um, and uh, that they really are untruthful. Uh, they're really false perceptions, distorted perceptions. Uh, and how that is basically what our lives uh, are like. That's how we live our lives in this world, uh, self-created world of perceptual distortion. And to start examining that uh, uh, in terms of, of satya, what, is the, what really is the truth? Uh, and to ask ourselves that question is a, is a great reflective question when we're caught up in some sort of mood or opinion or view or idea, some perception, memory, uh, to ask ourselves, okay, you know, this is what's coming up, uh, but what's really the truth of the matter here, really on a deep level, what's the truth? And there's just so many ways that we have these distorted perceptions that uh, aren't, really, aren't really true, uh, particularly of ourselves, the opinions we form of ourselves, um, all the, you know, a whole range running the gamut from uh, like a perception of uh, inferiority or um, you know hopelessness or you know just you know I'll never get this together you know this is you know my practice is falling apart my life is falling apart I'm not I'm not worthy I'm no good. Uh, the, all those kinds of uh, self stories, or you know, on the opposite end of the scale, you know, I'm the, you know, I'm the best you can get. <laughs> I'm, a, you know, uh, I'm a completely enlightened, realized being uh, based on some sort of distorted perception, and all the stories in between, um, you know, that we tell ourselves and particularly form identities around. <laughs> identities around. So asking ourselves, is this really accurate, you know, uh, or are these just emotional manifestations uh, bubbling up in the form of uh, words and concepts and uh, perceptions, or perceptions uh, just as in the same vein of other people? Um, how easy it is to pigeonhole people into certain categories and, and believe in them uh, and, and act on them. Uh, even more so. And if they're un, 
if they're unskillful or if they're unpleasant or if they seem judgmental or uh, like we're putting somebody into a, a category um, and they're, you know, you know, somebody who's wronged us maybe, somebody who's said something that's harsh uh, in their own difficult mind state. Um, and then we have this picture of them. Uh, of who they are. They are this person who said this and who has this kind of attitude. And, um, you know, we develop a whole story and, and, and live through it. Uh, whenever we see them, talk with them, experience them, it's through that lens of those particular qualities that we've imputed onto, onto them. Do we really need to do that? Um, asking ourselves, you know, is it, leading to suffering? Uh, is there a way I can change this perception? Because is it really true that that's who they are? And really, you know, taking a strong look, well, is this completely who this person is? Maybe not, maybe not. Do they have other qualities? Do they have other things that I can focus on, that I can put my attention on. Why not put my attention on their good qualities, even if it's just a, a little, little snippet of one good quality, <clears throat> and watch the effect that it has on the mind. You know, we're trying to uh, establish a, a way of paying attention um, in the world that brings a sense of uh, ease and well-being, not one that stirs up, uh, you know, aversion. So whatever we need to do if, to see the, the truth of the matter and how, how our distorted perceptions of other people control our moods, control our life, and, and we don't need to do that. We can turn away from that kind of distorted perception and get a broader picture for everyone's benefit. And, you know, truthfulness or just you know, kind of being aware even in uh, meditative uh, states uh, of distorted perceptions. There's a whole category of sanya vipalasa, uh, distortions of perception that are talked about in the canon based on uh, meditative states, uh, thinking that we've attained some sort of, you know, high... Uh, it's a high attainment of some sort based on uh, aspects of concentration, uh, refined states of mind that lead us uh, to a distorted perception of uh, realization of, of, of truth, a realization of the um, paths uh, of insight. So just uh, questioning, you know, examining our beliefs, you know, and our, you know, I had, a, I had a moment of, you know, I had a, a nice experience of, of deep concentration, so, and it didn't seem like there was any self there, so am I a stream enterer, or did I get into first jhana, did I get into second jhana, kind of establishing categories uh, to, to put ourselves in based on these kind of uh, transient perceptions that can come in meditation. We don't need to do that. Um, and, and then just realizing that uh, many of these kinds of things can be uh, transient experiences and uh, can lead us into distorted perceptions. We don't need to do that. Or even around, uh, you know, uh, the world around us, 
perceptions when we're considering uh, aspects uh, of our life. How do we do that uh, in relation to uh, those things that bring us uh, more suffering? Uh, we often see uh, distorted perceptual um, distorted perceptions in, in the vein of, of permanence, uh, you know, the, kind of the opposites of the three characteristics of uh, we see the world through the lens of Nietzsche, Sukha, and, and Atta, of permanence, uh, always trying to see, uh, st- seek stability, uh, seek uh, satisfaction, and uh, seek a stable sense of self uh, in, in a world that's inherently uh, transient uh, and unsatisfactory with all in the realm of conditions and and um, uh, in a, trying to find a stable sense of uh, self in that which uh, is not self. So these are also kind of distorted perceptions. So it runs a full gamut, uh, this, this quest for truthfulness uh, to, to develop this parami of satya. Um, and it takes a lot of self-examination because uh, our, our habits, our perceptual patterns, our speech patterns, these are, these are well-honed habits. And uh, we're bucking the tide uh, by wanting to free ourselves from those. So I find that a, a fertile ground for, for reflection in developing a wholesome Uh, wholesome patterns of of perception that lead to peacefulness and well-being. Similarly with um, panya wisdom, uh, that perfection, a couple different layers of that as well, the discernment uh, on one level, just the discernment itself of being able to, to see uh, wholesome, what's wholesome and what's unwholesome, what leads to uh, suffering and what leads to uh, relinquishment or release from suffering. Um, uh, just knowing that and considering some of those uh, particular qualities, that's, that's discernment, that's the, that's the wholesome quality of, of uh, panya uh, it, itself. And then on a deeper level, um, the, the full development of panya uh, in being able to see uh, our experience through the lens of dhamma, uh, through direct knowing too, through uh, direct experience, not just um, you know, the, the conceptual intellectual side of, of learning about uh, considering and uh, learning about uh, panya wisdom, um, but more, um, but more on a deep, direct uh, understanding level. It's easy to, you know, sometimes you hear when people first hear, uh, say, the teaching on anicca, uh, impermanence, transience. You know, it's like the, the initial hit is, well, of course, everybody knows that. You know. There isn't anything that stays the same. What's you know what's new about that? Um, or you know, 
Well, you know, and then just re reflecting that that's on a, actually quite a surface level, but you know, it really isn't until one really directly experiences that right here in this moment and can sustain that uh, perception of transience uh, right here and now uh, to the point where one develops that sense of, of uh, uh, not being able to uh, find that kind of level of inherent security in a, in a, in a changing world, uh, just as we're experiencing the present moment right now as uh, arising and passing almost simultaneously. Or the, uh, the quality of, of dukkha, you know, you know, sometimes, you know, people, you, you might hear people say, oh, it's all dukkha, you know, you know. Never mind, uh, almost as a way of avoiding the, the pain of experiencing uh, unsatisfactoriness. It's easy to kind of deflect that kind of unpleasant experience by just saying, eh, it's, all, it's just all dukkha. So that's kind of, you know, using it on a very surface level rather than actually being able to own up to the experience on, on a, and understand dukkha uh, on a deeper level, the first noble truth. Uh, to allow it in, not to, to believe in it uh, as a forever kind of thing, because even the experience of dukkha is transient. It's subject to the law of uh, transiency, impermanence, anicca. Um, but not to just dismiss it, or try and deflect it as a way of avoiding it um, by just saying it's all dukkha. Or with uh, the contemplation and uh, on uh, not uh, not self, you know, you, we've all heard the stories of crazy wisdom teachings where it's, um, you know, it uh, you can is an excuse. It's an excuse to to do anything you want to because there's no self here who's going to uh, receive the um, the comma of of unskillful action. It's all if it's all not self, then um, you know. Don't get too worried about it, um, but uh, you know that's a that's a very surface uh, way of viewing anatta, uh, and uh, we have to bring it into that uh, very deep level of uh, realizing um, the relative uncontrollability of phenomena uh, as they arise. The the um, uh, uncontrollability and uh, uh, essentially selflessness of this body and of this mind uh, on a very deep level to get that f freedom from this, the, the sense of being bound up with a, a sense of self. So really taking these to a deeper level uh, is uh, the full investigation of Panya and, and you know, where am I with that? Uh, um, probably uh, most of us have gotten a bit of a hit of it in different ways, different uh, insights. Um, but to bring the, the full development of panya uh, into being. So these are just, a, you know, these are some reflections on, on how to use the the teachings, say, on the paramis uh, as a way of uh, a contemplative uh, strategy uh, and to just uh, see where it is that um, uh, we want to put more attention on and 
see what the results are uh, when we do that. The, um, one of the phrases that popped up into my mind as I've been considering these things too is, uh, is the, the refrain um, from one of our teachings um, uh, that we, is it one of the chants that we do, uh, one of the chant, reflected chants on the three characteristics, uh, uh, recollecting that all conditions uh, are impermanent, uh, all conditions are unsatisfactory, uh, everything is not self. And then when with wisdom this is seen, one becomes weary uh, of all dukkha. So when with wisdom, when with deep wisdom, when panya, this is, is seen, then where does it take us? It takes us to this uh, uh, experience of nipita. Uh, one becomes weary, world-weary, of just falling into the same habit patterns that result in uh, uh, dukkha uh, uh, and a, a sense of you know, uh, clinging uh, to a sense of self. One becomes weary of that uh, when one sees it clearly with wisdom. Uh, and uh, then the result is this disenchantment. Um, this just doesn't work anymore. And there's this relinquishment, this letting go uh, that can result from, from the disenchantment or the weariness of constantly turning uh, to the world for uh, looking for sources of stability and uh, constant happiness. And then that, uh, that disenchantment uh, allows us to turn our attention towards the, the unconditioned, that which isn't dependent on uh, all of the uh, world around us for ultimate satisfaction. And it gives us this opportunity, this impetus to, to turn away from that and to allow the unconditioned to become manifest in our, in our experience. That, uh, that, yeah, and that's kind of the second half of Ajahn Lung Por Cha's uh, comment to Ajahn Sumedho uh, after he mentions uh, the likes and dislikes being aids and partners for development of parami, then he also goes further to talk about um, that the verse, uh, similar to the verse in, in the suttas uh, about crossing the floods, uh, how to cross the floods, and by neither uh, pushing forward, uh, and I think the way Ajahn Chah uh, described it was, um, uh, the Buddha Dhamma is, is not to be found in uh, moving forward, moving backwards, or standing still. This is your place of non-abiding. And uh, the sutta's description of the, this is how I cross, the Buddha describing by neither pushing forward nor standing still, this is how I cross the flood. So it's moving ourselves out of the whole realm of taking refuge in um, uh, the distorted perceptions, the way we view the world, the way we hold the world, 
uh, and uh, developing the wisdom to see clearly. Uh, uh, and that's what lifts us in a sense. Uh, we just become, uh, we, we remove ourselves, we relinquish our involvement uh, with uh, the worldly ways and in a sense are uh, lifted out of that whole realm and have a chance to open to uh, that which is not part of the conditioned realm. All right, yeah, so again in Ajahn Chah's words, our place of non-abiding. So as the, as the, the stories go from the, the Jataka tales and, and in different parts of the teachings, uh, these ten perfections are, are aids and partners in helping us uh, really uh, realize the path, but we need them. We can't just bypass them. Uh, and um, uh, uh, just go straight to uh, uh, Nibbana through a, a meditative state. We have to really develop the, the wholesome qualities and, and really just keep turning our attention to them because in and of themselves, they are, are a great relief from uh, the habits and perceptions and the way we live our lives uh, and in and of themselves are uh, a great source of comfort, security. So I'm just going to leave it there. A few thoughts for the evening on uh, the use of uh, some of these contemplations. <laughs>